Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out, no matter how hard it rains. In my city. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second emergency podcast of Real Hawk Talk. In as many days, I am Brian Nemhauser. You can find me on Twitter at HawkBlogger. And I bring back the one, the only Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. Jeff, man, uh, you know, I can't get enough of our conversations about this new regime and the new coach. And I had a chance today to listen to the press conference from Mike McDonald. I heard it not live. I know you got to hear it the first time. You've probably broken down a lot of stuff since. We've got some news starting to leak about offensive coordinator candidates. I think there's a fair amount of new news to talk about today. And honestly, I just had to do it. So I'm glad you were available to keep us company and give us your perspective. How are you doing, my friend? Uh, it was, it's been a crazy last, it's been a crazy week. It's been a crazy couple of days. I wasn't working today, luckily, and I had time to focus on football. And there was, it was a crazy day. I've been on my phone and like on my computer like all day with just podcasts to listen to. And, but uh, you're lucky you didn't watch the the press conference live. I'll say that. I'll say that because I couldn't hear a single question the reporters were asking, and it was driving me insane. I know someone was saying it's always like that, but I, I watch a lot of these press conferences. It was never as bad as it was today. Really? And I couldn't hear a single question. You have to literally guess what they were asking based on the answer. And like, I, I've seen so many of Pete Carroll or Schneider. I watched Schneider's last week and a couple weeks ago. I've never seen it like that. And then some of the questions that were asked were a little puzzling, but he did a couple of radio interviews after he did it on both radio stations. So, just it's been and then it's just you're really learning who this guy is and what he's about and today's the day where it really feels like a new era and like you finally it finally feels just totally different than what they've been working with and you can see how giddy john schneider was, <laughs> was he's this is this is a totally new era for him uh what like what was your impression i mean like setting aside the the logistics of the press conference and <laughs> and that crap but uh yeah what was your what was your takeaway in that first press conference 
he was way more comfortable in his skin than he was described. Like he was called sort of an um, an introvert. An introvert, and yeah. He really controlled the room, and it was it felt a little different than how Pete used to control the room. Pete is just like the most dynamic personality, but he seemed so self assured. He seemed so confident. He didn't say too much, but he he was not as awkward as I was fully expecting. I thought it'd be a lot closer, like a Shane Waldron press conference where you're watching you're like, Oh my God, what did we get ourselves into? He, he seemed really confident and but quietly confident. Just even the way he dressed, it felt like this is totally different. This is a, to- this is the, and just the way he, he carried himself. I, I was pretty impressed with how in control of the room he was. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, like there is a bunch of highlights, and we're gonna pick apart probably every word of that <laughs> press conference, and and more than is is reasonable to do. But I think the thing that maybe stood out the most to me that felt like I was seeing Mike McDonald for who he was was uh, there was a question about, hey, you're you're following Pete Carroll, legendary coach. You know how do you how do you think you're gonna you know handle that? And he talked about not knowing Pete. He also kind of joked around about um, about Pete's got his own personality and things that work authentically for him and that he's going to be him. He's not trying to be anybody else. He knows it's painful to try to be somebody that you're not. That was wisdom that speaks highly of, you know, this is a guy that knows who he is. He is not trying to act like a head coach. He is not trying to become a leader. He's doing what he knows how to do, and either people are with it or they're not, and he's just going to move forward. And that, that to me was a head coach answer and a very mature one. So I was, I was pretty happy to hear that. Yeah, and you see what they, why they fell in love with him. And you talk about just some of the things that, oh, oh my God. You were asleep like two hours ago. I'm getting progressively sicker, but you left a big bottle of vodka in my, in my freezer. That was a gift. And I decided after having a little swig of it, Brian's uh, bullying would work. So <laughs> here I am. Uh, is this COVID number nine or something like that? My God, man. I had COVID earlier. This I don't think this is COVID. I think I'm just like. I don't know what it is. My throat just feels like shit. But do, do we got to the concept of COVID rebound. Rachel, like we went through, I had COVID for the first time, then she had COVID, and then uh, tested negative, and then three days later, she's positive again. She's got like COVID rebound, and so didn't know that was a thing, but it sucks. So glad to have you on you stay on as long or as short as you want my friend it's good to oh, see i appreciate you. it good to see you guys there were some interesting comments today i'm sure you guys are jumping into it but it was a it was an interesting press conference i think yeah we were just talking about his comment about how he's not going to try to be anybody that he's not he's gonna be his authentic self and how i felt like that was that was a answer that uh, from someone who's not a poser who is not gonna try to you know, figure out what it's supposed to mean to be a head coach. He's just, he's comfortable in his own skin. And that, that to me is foundational as an effective leader. And so I loved hearing that, but there was a ton of other things. I'm curious, Evan, at Evan Hill HB on Twitter. Uh, and what, what stuck out, stuck out to you? 
there's a couple of things. I think just in terms of like evaluating how coaches, you know, conduct press conferences across the NFL, he seems very blunt and like to the point. There's not a whole like ton of coach speak, I think, going along with his authenticity comment. I think he seems pretty straightforward. I think there were some interesting comments about, uh, you know, fitting fit, fitting the defense to what they're good at and adjusting and talking about offensive philosophy, how it's adjustable. Um, there were some comments that um, even the comment about like, oh, I can't guarantee that this is going to be like the Ravens scheme. Like, we don't know what we're good at yet. Um, the spoon reference was, was really cool to see that they, you know, obviously had evaluated him in Baltimore. But overall, really impressed with the guy. I think he's clear. I think he's concise. I think um, I think he's probably a stronger leader than many of us um, initially uh, credited him to be, I think. So overall, pretty impressive for, from what I could hear, by the way, in the, pot, or, or in the, in the press conference. I had, I had these headphones uh, blasted to level 9,000, and here I am, like, pushing these headphones against my my ears to barely hear a reporter that was infuriating but yeah no i'm, I'm curious for your guys' takes yeah jeff when evan came on you're starting to say something what else stood out for you in the in the conference press conference yeah he, he just seemed really self-assured i think evan hit a lot of what uh, my thoughts were i thought a lot of john's comments were really interesting the fact they even left out that they cheered against detroit that was really interesting <laughs> yeah they're like what the fuck like <laughs> have you ever seen john schneider that happy by the way no john no. was he on was so another giddy. he was so giddy it was really cool to see him just be that happy that is you know what i think that's a really good call out because while everyone everyone i think very accurately is saying dude learn how to do a press conference uh this is the second or third straight meandering off the cuffs start to a press conference that did not he said some things creeping on <laughs> mike mcdonald's wife and like a bunch of stuff that he, he didn't need to say um but if you kind of know john a little bit that was that was just john feels like on cloud nine like he is so excited that was like after a successful draft where he feels like they nailed it and and he just the guard comes down for good or for bad the guard the, the walls come down a little bit um <laughs> i'm still laughing about that coming about it. he was interviewing i don't know if you caught that he was interviewing cheerleaders that knew uh mike mcdonald's wife <laughs> i mean that's 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 uh scratching below the surface that's for sure um how much did, did were there any details that came out today? If I missed it, sorry. Um, around what they paid him, I know. Yeah, Mike Garofalo. Garofalo uh, was on KJR with Puck. Nine million dollars. Nine. Oh. He said close to nine million dollars. Said it's the highest paid first time head coach. He said Washington tried to call him while he was on the plane, and that gave the agent some leverage that most people don't have, and. Obviously, Seattle was desperate to get this done. And they said, nine, he said $9 million, Garofalo quoted. and Pretty shocking. Pretty shocking. Usually a first-time head coach gets a much lower salary. But Seattle was kind of would, in the corner. 
I was just talking with Brady, who was guessing it was like seven. Yeah, Garofalo so, said on Puckett Show nine. NFL league wide, I think that ranks like ten, eleven, or twelve in terms of highest yeah, paid. Harbaugh got, and it's a six-year deal. Yeah, yeah. The timing for his agent was amazing because once Ben Johnson dropped out, Seattle and Washington were both painted in the corner, and. The other one went to Dan Quinn today. But it's interesting hearing now and seeing McDonald how confident he was and hearing that Ben Ben Johnson did not interview well. It's really interesting how like perception changes so fast. Yeah. I mean, I I actually am going on DC Sports Radio tomorrow because they are so desperate to talk to anyone that can have a uh, a non-negative opinion about Dan Quinn as their new coach. <laughs> my my article I wrote for our fan base is making it around the Washington Commanders fan base and they want to talk. So, I mean, Evan, you tweeted it out about, man, we dodged a bullet. The rumors are already out that Chip Kelly is a candidate to go with Dan Quinn. Can you imagine, guys? The difference in the vibes in the Seahawks fan base for you individually, if what we were talking about right now was Dan Quinn and Chip Kelly versus Mike McDonald, we'll talk about the OC candidates, but I mean, that's a huge, huge difference, right? I just know we'd be in the exact same place like five years from now, having the Mm -hmm. exact same conversations, most likely around the exact same topics. And it's just a fresh start is like, I have not been this excited about a sports team and God knows how long, like I, I want 2024 to start right now. That's how excited I am. So the vibes are immaculate. I'm, 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 I'm locked in. I'm ready to go. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we won't, we won't spend a bunch of time on Dan Quinn and Chip Kelly. I, I'm more of in the position of I we don't I, I don't think we know whether one or the other is going to be better. I just know for sure that we would not be feeling as elated and as unified as a fan base if we had Dan Quinn and Chip Kelly as the options right now. I, I think well, I think there would be serious issues. Have uh, you guys talked about the OC rumors today? Let's let's get into it. Let's oh, yeah. get I was trying not to take control. Of no, I, I, <laughs> we can go anywhere we want, my friend. That's that's the point of the emergency pod. I just I just excited to talk about it. Jeff, you guys, you know these guys better than I do. Why don't Why don't you? Uh, uh, actually, no, I, no, I don't. Brian is. I was leaning on uh, the rest of the guys. Um, I follow college football mostly for a draft. I don't have a. I don't go to school in the states. I don't have a team. I'll pop in here and there, but. I rely on a lot of other people for college football. And then around December, January, I start following the players. But obviously the big name that came up today, I sent you guys the link when it came out, was uh, Ryan Grubb from uh, the Washington's old uh, OC that went to Bama with Kalen DeBoer. And a lot of college coaches are suddenly trying to get back to the or trying to get to the NFL because of the NIL and all this crap that's going on. Ryan Grubb was a name that Brian, you were talking about as like a head coaching candidate. And so I don't know what's going on with Brian and the Seahawks, but they end up with your number one choice from the get go with the guy. You're you're like dream OC. (laughs) Like pretty wild. Like, and then the other one, the other name that surfaced Albert Brewer tweeted. I can't remember how to pronounce his name. Do you, do you have it up? 
It's Tanner. Uh, yeah, hold on. You're I talking about the, the Lions OC? Yeah, it's Tanner. Gosh darn it. It's their pass. Tanner player. Engstrand. Yes. E-N-G-S-T-R-A-N-D. Yeah, so he's a he's also a Jim Harbaugh guy. Started with him in San Diego. Okay. And interesting enough, if Ben Johnson left, that was going to be the Lions OC. And he's interviewed around. You tweeted out, Brian, he sort of got his own coaching tree already, but – this could be your kind of weird way of pairing Mike McDonald with Ben Johnson light in a way. And John been pretty clear the lions. He was cheering for them to lose. So Johnson was probably the finalist with McDonald on their list. So all the talk of Dan Quinn and Kafka, I think that was all bullshit. I think it was either going to be Johnson or McDonald, which those are the two guys that felt way ahead of the pack. And those were the two guys that looked like they were looking at. So on one hand, you might have the best defensive mind, in the NFL paired with the best offensive coordinator in college. Like what a fucking crazy turnaround from Pete Clint hurt and Shane Waldron. Or you have this other guy that might be Ben Johnson's right-hand man who came up through the same system. Like that is just such a 180 to where they were from. A, we talked about shitty coaching staff and all this stuff. <laughs> They're coming out of this potentially looking like if they came out and like hired Cliff Kingsbury or there's a report today that uh, this wasn't great at first, but apparently one of the guys that McDonald was looking at was Arthur Smith. Yeah. And Pittsburgh scooped him up. I would not have been excited by Arthur Smith. I'm like so excited. I can't even contain myself. And apparently they're just like, they're cycling through college coaches, NFL coaches. And then they also retained Carl Scott today. Yep. Which Carl Scott was their DB coach that came in with uh, the Fangio guys. And he was supposed to go on a Philly. So, and he was, was from Alabama. He was in Alabama before, that's right? That's like, the thing. He was, he's not the Pete Carroll. He's more of like the, the match coverage guy with Saban. So, you pair him and what McDonald's done, I think the staff's going to look really different. And just seeing those two names emerge as OC candidates, to me, is really encouraging. We haven't, we're, we don't know who they're going to hire, if anyone else comes up, but a lot more exciting than some of the names that popped up. Brian, you'd mentioned T. Martin that certain members of the media were mentioning. He was the Ravens quarterback coach that was just simply on the staff. These other names that have emerged are far more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, before I I comment on some of the the OC guys, Evan, I mean, you were talking about how you can't contain how excited you are. I mean, what? I mean, what? when you think of that, what's getting you so, so jacked other than McDonald just on his own? Let's just fucking go, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's let John Schneider is locked in. Yeah. He is locked the hell in. He's got his guy. Mike McDonald is going after his guys. Do you know how many offensive coordinator interviews, by the way, this Tanner Engstring guy has had? He's so he's been so the Patriots have been interested in him. Tampa Bay's been interested in him. Uh the Chargers are interested in him. He's like a league wide really popular candidate yeah and he was probably reluctant to leave until two days ago yeah because he was going to be able to move up in detroit and and control what was going on there and they've got they've got good personnel there i'm gonna be honest with you i'm furiously inspecting his like tweets right now for anything (laughs) to give me uh what does he he look like what does he look like evan what does he look like he looks like kind of like your average like white man Honestly, no. like tall, has three kids, beautiful family, um, brown hair, 
like a more handsome version of me, basically, to be quite honest with you. Um, he's a good looking dude. Yeah. So he passes your, he passes your test. Yeah. He's a, he's a sexy daddy that, that, <laughs> yeah. Okay. This guy, this guy's posting images of him, like, uh, walking around with his, with his toddler, like, in, what's that little sack thing that they do to like carry around kids with? Do you know uh, what I'm talking yeah. about? Oh yeah. 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 The, the like little baby, not thing. baby Bjorn, not the baby Bjorn, the, the little, uh, the little, uh, Dude, Whatever. this guy is full on dad mode. Actually, I'm gonna drop a couple of links that I think are so funny in our chat. All right, nice, I nice. I, I will. I want to talk a little bit about Ryan Grubb, though. Yeah. So, like, I think Tanner. I, I'm excited about the Tanner option. I think that that is the more mature, you know, probably higher floor kind of option here. And there are some folks that are like, is it Ben Johnson or is this guy actually, you know? really part of what's making that work and so certainly interested in that um ryan grubb like look i have a i I, people are gonna say oh you're a huskies fan i am a huskies fan but i'm a casual huskies fan i'm like i'm not all in on every husky that comes out or every huskies coach and you haven't heard me saying like you know every husky coach in the past should be here when I first watched Ryan Grubb and Kalen DeBoer's offense in Washington, I was like, this is different. This, this is some of this is pro like the throws that they're asking Michael Penix to make. These are not the gimmicky gadgety, you know, Bo Nix five yards behind the line of scrimmage throws. These are deep outs. Uh, these are like digs. These are, these are difficult NFL throws and what I'm really curious about is this is a guy who I thought was a key part of, of the Huskies' success. What we don't know is how much of that was Kalen DeBoer and how much of that was Ryan Grubb. I have a feeling, like my instinct, I think Ryan Grubb was the architect of that offense. I think he's a good play caller. I think that he has shown the ability to command deep passes, intermediate passes, and short. I think he's shown the ability to mix run and pass and not get away from the run. And, you know, he's he's worked the screen game, so there's some simple plays in there. And, by the way, if there is one quarterback that reminds me the most of Michael Penix in the NFL, you know, not everyone will feel good about this, but it's Geno Smith. Like, not a particularly mobile pocket quarterback with a fantastic arm um, that can put the ball wherever he wants to put it. I think there's some interesting pieces there and I'd be like, I'd be, I'd certainly be excited if, if that ended up being the name. I feel like we're in heaven right now. Right. It, it feels like we're on another planet because listen, Pete did so many things well, but it really did feel like the Seahawks were in a different like almost like era than everyone else. They were just doing things very old school I know something like the analytics people like kind of mock the Seahawks. Just the way McDonald was talking and some of the names they're looking at, it feels like they're finally in the same century as like the Ravens and these forward-thinking teams. The fact that they refer to this guy as like a disruptor and that was an interesting comment from from Schneider today. And by the way, thank you to Sam Br- Sam Brown for the super chat saying taking Ryan Grubb from DeBoer would be deliciously petty. I am down. Um John Schneider, you catch that about the Ravens envy and that they they kept picking players that he liked and that 
uh, you know, Newsom would would call him saying, hey, you picked players that I wanted. And then you heard from Mike McDonald, like he talked about Eric DaCosta. He talked about Newsom. He talked about what he's learned from a lot of these guys. And that got me even more excited because, Jeff, you mentioned it last night, even like if there is an organization that you and I like in unison have respected how they've gone about their personnel decisions, how they've built their team. The Ravens are it. And, and so the fact that I have to admit, this is, this is goes down the conspiracy theory route a little bit. Evan, Jeff for years, it was Pete Carroll is holding back Russell Wilson, right? That was the talk. I think you got it at this very moment. You got to ask, was Pete Carroll holding back John Schneider? You got to ask that question. And it's not like, I'm a huge Pete fan, but we know John Schneider liked Patrick Mahomes. We know John Schneider liked Josh Allen. We know John Schneider wanted to trade Russell Wilson a full year before they actually traded him. There's a lot of indications that there were personnel decisions that John Schneider wanted to do that he was unable to do. And we don't know how many of the moves that he did do, he was kind of forced to do. We don't know. So as much as we're excited about the Mike McDonald news, I think there's also reason to believe that maybe we're going to get the best of John Schneider. That's, 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 when you look at that, Evan just tweeted, I don't know if he was kind of trolling someone specific or he was serious, uh, but I don't think you can look at this process and how they did it. And some of the ideas, like nobody wants to come to the Seahawks. They're a mid team in a great division, <laughs> but they're not, they're not going to be able to attract the coach, but it's hard not to look at Schneider and how they ran this process. And they look very competent. Like they look savvy. They look smart. They looked patient. Like Brian, I haven't tweeted out like their process was a plus. Like and even if the outcome is bad, yeah, Even yeah. if Mike McDonald ends up being like horrible, I don't think that's going to happen. But we can confidently look back, and I, I think we have faith that they that they executed properly when it came to this head coaching search. I mean, the truth of the matter is, boys, we can think that, but it's a results based business. If Mike McDonald, if Mike McDonald crashes and burns and is bad, then John Schneider's going to get fired. Like, yeah. like his, his career in Seattle is now inextricably linked to Mike McDonald, no matter what the process was. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, I think some of the story here isn't just that what John did in terms of who he picked. Mm-hmm. You have it's not just picking who you want, guys. You have to like Ben Johnson, quote unquote, pulled out of the the running for these things. You have to convince these guys to move all the way across the country to move their family to live somewhere they've never lived before and to coach for a team that they don't have any relationship. He doesn't, he never met this guy before. I don't think you can emphasize how rare it is in the NFL to make a decision this big and have it not be a relationship based decision. Like it's, that's a big deal. Yeah. And that's how Pete found John in the first place. And that marriage worked out great. Mike Tomlin came from me. And this is the situation I kept saying, because when the Steelers hired Mike Tomlin, everyone thought they were going to hire Ken Wisenhunt at the time. He was Bill mm-hmm. Cowher's OC. 
and they went through the process and this quietly known defensive backs coach and became the defensive coordinator in Minnesota kind of blew them away in interviews. That became Mike Tomlin, who's still coaching with them. And it did seem like John obviously had done a lot of research on Mike McDonald, like talking about how that game really like blew him away. Yeah. The same kind of results as like, where the hell did that come from? Same kind of result you did when you were doing your breakdown before the game. Um, but yeah, like you get why everyone thought Dan Quinn, like historically, naturally people tend to hire people they know. It's just yeah. how the world works. It's not even just football. Uh, a lot of people get jobs because they know someone, not because they're qualified or it's just how the world works. And didn't seem like Quinn was a finalist based on things we've been hearing, based on their decisions. And yeah. So yeah, it's it's really out there to put your biggest decision of your career in the hands of someone you don't know, you've never worked with, you, you have almost no ties to them. But it shows how much John does admire that Ravens team. And it was encouraging hearing that that's the team he sort of admires because I I've been saying for years I wish they drafted like they did and they weren't so cute and now we'll see. We'll see if that changes. I wish someone had asked them about like the plans up on the offensive oh, line and the line of scrimmage. Like to me, that's the first question I'd be asking. Like, yeah, hey Mike, when you played the Seahawks this year, you guys had a lot of success with that offensive line. Like, how do, is that a priority for you? Like, how much is it that important to you? You guys were upset hey, about the the Seattle media. Hey Jeff, yeah, would you like to commentate on that? Do you have any thoughts on <laughs> Seattle? reporters beat reporters i think they were really focused on trying to get to know him as a person that they almost missed the story and like i know everyone said like uh, they have so limited time and P- see how pr does like to control things a little bit and but a little bit yeah okay i'll be honest a lot but i've been to like toronto's a lot more of aggressive of a media market than seattle is just historically toronto's like a new york light but I've been to so many of those press conferences and guys get grilled. Like there wasn't like a single question other than like the one about Gino at the end about like the state of the team. Like this team hasn't made one a playoff game in seven years. Like they haven't won, they haven't made the they haven't made the playoffs in two of the last three years. They've been getting killed on the offensive line for years. Their defense has so much resource and has faltered. Like, how are these not the thinking of baseline of your questions? Like I'd be asking, okay, like who on this defense excites you? Like, who are the – how do you fix the line of scrimmage that's been a recurring issue? Those are things that get great answers. You can learn so much about the guy. And it's like, tell us about your siblings. <laughs> I like that. I have to admit. I get it, but it's like I, – I, I know where you're coming from, though. I, I, I thought it was really – I learned a little bit listening to him talk about his older sisters and yeah. talking about – the leaps of faith they took in their career and how that influenced his decision to take this leap of faith to do something in part of the country hasn't been before. And I hear you though. Look, there was so many things that jumped out at me in this press conference that I'm probably completely over evaluating, but I want to run through a few of them see if any of these jump out to you guys that you want to talk more about. Let's do it. One, John Schneider talking about the Ravens game of like, that's a, like early in the career, Pittsburgh never wanted to have that game again. Ravens was the next game. Never want to have that again. And then when he got into talking about that game, he said he talked to his offensive players, offensive folks, and they were like, what just happened? What was going on over there? And the implication was 
what they were doing in Baltimore was something that they had never seen, never understood, did not know how to prepare for. They were shell-shocked. And I think that says a little bit about the coaching staff for the Seahawks as well. Go ahead. Yeah. Let's not forget that there were like three weeks this past season where Pete Carroll admitted to not having his team adequately prepared. Yeah. Entering those games. Yeah. Yeah. And I just remember coming out of that game, we were just like, did you not study them, Shane Waldron? Like, did you have no idea what was coming? And it seemed like Seattle had no clue was what they were about to deal with because we talked that week about how quickly they had to get rid of the ball and they, they go out and they're running these like long developing pass plays. And it was, they were completely taken back. And the fear Schneider say that outright. That was, that was out to me. That was the most out. Isn't that the whole point of like a quality control, like a scout to like research that stuff? Probably, but but like set so like like yes, we could go into depth about how the coaching staff on the Seahawks side blew it and the players or whatever. The point to me is that they play a lot of teams. They they got blown out by some other teams. They had some other. This was a situation where the players themselves were like they didn't understand what was happening on the other side of the ball. That's rare. And he's now ours. So that's fucking sweet. Like that was what jumped out to me. Um, I think it jumped out to me that that Mike McDonald said, I'm not necessarily bringing the scheme over. We're going to adapt to the what we I don't even know what we do well yet. You know who says that? Fucking somebody who is whip smart, who just you drop him into any situation. He understands enough about how football works that he is going to design a scheme emphasizes the talents of the players that you have instead of just having a one size fits all scheme that we've seen does not work week in and week out year in and year out. That is what we've heard of about what Baltimore, they, they were different week on week in terms of their game plan. When's the last time we could say that about Seattle? Like that was a huge thing. Pete Carroll's best skill was his ability to motivate players. Yes. But once the league starts shifting more to the X's and O's with Shanahan and McVay, Pete got lapped and Pete lost his edge. And hearing him just come out and say one of the things he really values is winning on the edges. I think that might have been one of his radio interviews. I don't know if he said that in the press conference, but he really spends a lot of time trying to find edges. And that's what Pete Carroll lost. He talked about in his last press conference. They lost, they kind of lost their game. And that's, what happened with Shannon and McVeigh? Those guys are so good at X's and O's. They never had someone who can match them and details. And and I guess Pete was still good that they were still made competitive. But the thing that was frustrating about it was just player utilization for years. Yes. Maximizing. Like, how many times do we say, like, they have this monster, DK Metcalf, and they don't know what they're doing? Like, last year, Smith and Jigba for the first half of the year. Defensively, like similarly, the way they've used players, Jamal Adams that one year played coverage the whole time. Um, this is a guy that come out and said that right away, and that was music to my ears because that's where that last coaching staff really lost their way because they were they had a lot of talent on defense. The fact that they were 28th in the league or 30th in the league or whatever was embarrassing, yeah, yeah. You know, um, that was another piece of that to me where. Again, it's an indication of him being comfortable in his own skin. If you're a first-time head coach and you've had success with something, most people 
would be like, okay, I'm going to take what worked and I'm going to bring it here. We're going to do the same thing because I already know it. He's like, no, we're going to figure out what's going to work best here because I trust myself to make good decisions and be able to evaluate all the different variables. That's That was fantastic. That was a fantastic thing to hear. Then I loved hearing that he's calling the plays. No hesitation. I'm the play caller. Um, and then I'm going to bring someone in. And once they get to the point where we think the same way, great. I'll give them that option. But no, he is he is the inverse of Mike Holmgren for Seahawks fans. Mike Holmgren was the play caller. He set aside the defense to whoever was on that side. And he focused there. Pete Carroll was more kind of a complete philosophy guy. He moved between different sides. And so I liked hearing that. Guys, I like this is this is too old for you, Evan. You were you were a fetus, but um he mentioned some of his influences and he talked about Jimmy John Jim Johnson, not Jimmy, Jim Johnson, and Rex Ryan. And if anyone knows me and my favorite defenses in Seahawks history, even during the Dennis Erickson era in the late 90s, Jim Johnson was a linebackers coach for Seattle. And he was not the defensive coordinator, but Dennis Erickson gave him a shot to implement some of these creative blitzes that he'd come up with. And that defense with Chad Brown, Daryl Smith, you know, Sean Springs, they had players coming from every different direction. They were such a playmaking defense. They created turnovers. They had sacks. I had so much fun watching. He went on to go to Philadelphia as a DC for Andy Reid and had like a huge impact in the league. And the thing that's interesting about that guys is the Ravens just had the most pressures ever recorded by PFF in their entire history of doing like back to 2006, I think of their data. And they did it with, I think the 27th uh, most pressure rate. They don't blitz very often. The second highest pressure, like team in terms of pressures or sacks, I can't remember which one it was, was the Chiefs. And the Ravens blitzed 11% less. So they had way more, they had more sacks, more pressures, and far less blitzes. So it's interesting to hear him talk about Jim Johnson with heavy, heavy blitz and have him not be a blitz guy. So, like, lots of things in there. Uh, like, I could keep going on, but those are a couple of things that, that jumped out to me that got me pretty excited. Sue, so who put this on here? You want to talk about it? I posted it, but I was curious for what you guys thought about this quote. Owen McNasty says, uh, best thing he said today was OCs are so smart now that you cannot expect to run the same three things well and win games. Have to adapt weekly and in-game to counter the opponent. Jeff? What did you guys just read on that? Jeff, what do you want to say about that? Well, the one time when the Seahawks were good, when they were great on defense, they ran one thing very well and a couple of different coverages, and they won with talent. Since they needed to adjust and play, they tried to do all these different things. They had three different coordinators, and it made me think – he probably didn't mean to take a swipe at Pete or anything, but it kind of felt like that. Because, see, that's kind of been the Seahawks mantra. I know they've tried to run a lot more coverages and two high looks, and but that seemed to be like the hallmark of Pete Carroll and what he was all about. And this guy is just – they talk about, like, the defensive Sean McVay. I don't want to call him that, but he just seems to be, like, the modern thinker on defense. 
And there really aren't many guys like that. Like so many go defensive coordinators will come in and say, this is my scheme. This is what we're going to run. So when Martindale does, that's what, and Dan Quinn did, did this really well when he left Atlanta and went, Dan Quinn failed in Atlanta because he kind of went the P route. He said, this is our defense. We're going to run it. We're going to master it. And by the end he got exposed and I guess he's not swiping Pete for sure. That's not his style, but indirectly he kind of did. Guys, I watched I watched John Schneider's face like a hawk during that whole like as soon as he started down that path, I was like, okay, is he he doesn't know what he's saying, but Schneider has to know the implication of what he is saying. Yeah. Schneider to his credit did not he did not smirk or like have any reaction, but if he had, I would have been like, "Oh shit." Because that's it. I mean, you said it, Jeff. That was absolutely an implication, um, unintended, but that's an implication of like a massive change in philosophy. And and the fact that he's looking at that on offense and on defense. Yeah, because when he one of the things he said on offense was, "We're not going to talk about how many runs we need to be successful," or it's all adjustable. And Pete's whole thing is like, "You need fifty runs and completions to essentially guarantee a win." I know that what was that like, magic rule? What was it again? I don't know. It was like the rule of 52 or something. Like that. 51? Yeah. I think it was 54. I don't know. The one Ben Baldwin used to clown it all the time. And uh, <laughs> just hearing him say, like, we don't have a rule like that. We adjust weekly. And it was rush attempts and completions. Fast completions. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I am going to have to rejigger some of my stats because Pete had his own unique explosive rules of 12 plus yard runs and 16 plus yard passes were explosives and nobody else in the league uses that. So I'm gonna have to change all my, my metrics, but um, I'll tell you a couple other things that jumped out. Um, one really small comment, but guys, I'm listening to every single word he says. He talked about that even when he got started in high school coaching, that linebackers was a position that he was that he was interested in and that he loved and that like i was like oh because what have we talked about with that that ravens team their linebackers are outstanding they're gonna sign jordan brooks it makes me want i think they probably will especially when they talked about all the players baltimore's liked and they were very high and maybe they want brooks and queen who knows but I don't think they're quite there yet. I don't think they've talked personnel even yet, but they're going to sign Jordan Brooks. I I think that there's a decent chance, but I'm telling you guys, I'm making this prediction right now of let's, let me pull up to make sure I've got the right guys here. Ah, son of a gun. Um, okay. Of these four guys that are free agents for the Ravens, on defense, Patrick Queen, Justin Madbuike, Jadavian Clowney, Geno Stone, safety. I believe the Seahawks will get two of those guys. I believe the Seahawks will get two of those guys because here's the reason. I think even though Mike McDonald said he's going to build around what they have and all that kind of stuff, him bringing over at least one, and I think two, players from his defense that knows the way he likes to run things, that he knows the way that they play, and he can trust them to do things the way, and he's already seen them do it. I think there's a real, there's a, a lot of smoke there that would give me indication that he's going to want to bring some. I don't mean he's going to bring everybody, 
but I think he's going to want to inject at least one. And I think it's going to be two guys. And I think Queen is a is really a logical person to be one of them. And yeah, it could be Brooks and Queen. I know that's a lot of money. It could be Brooks instead of Queen. But I don't know, man. Uh, I think there's a similar conversation about Madbuike and Leonard Williams. Yeah. Like, I mean, prices are going to be different. Ages are different. Play styles are a little different. But you can't have both, probably. Yeah, Patrick Queen is a uh, he's gonna get a big deal. Well, he's an all pro. Yeah, I mean, every everybody's telling me that Jordan Brooks is significantly better than Patrick Queen. Maybe I mean I, I'm not here to shit on Jordan Brooks. I know everyone thinks I'm like anti Jordan Brooks. I think he's a, he's a very good linebacker, but you don't get to be an all pro linebacker and not be really good, and. By the way, Jordan Brooks has yet to be a pro bowler, which is a pretty low freaking bar. So, yeah, I don't think it's quite as obvious as everyone's making it out to be. Yeah, I'm I'm curious now. Now I'm pulling up linebacker market. So top of the linebacker market, you got Roquan at 20 million a year, five years, 100 million. Yeah. Top five highest paid. Starts at 15, so 15 to 20 is the top five. I mean, what's Patrick Queen looking for? Probably high teens. I would say, I would think it's in 17, the 15, 18, 15 million. 16, I think, yeah, I think 15. CJ Mosley is 17 a year. Is he better than CJ Mosley? No, uh, I mean, is he better than CJ Mosley now? Maybe now, yeah, right, right now, probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. by the time, I don't know, he's pretty good, Both. sure. Yeah, I would not. I would not spend that kind of money on Patrick Queen. Me either. It's just a lot of money, guys. When we talk about building the trenches and philosophically allocating resources to different areas, that's you got to be really sure about that guy. Yeah, that's something I would have loved to be asked. Just their view on uh, his view on building trenches versus linebackers and safeties, and how much he like the offensive line needs a lot of work. I think that there's almost no chance that Bobby Wagner's back. No, I agree. I, he does not seem like a player that fits into what Mike McDonald does. And yeah, and I don't think John Schneider, it, there's a lot of indications John Schneider has not been a guy trying to bring him back that Pete Carroll was like, would you sign this guy already? And John Schneider was dragging his feet. So it was a nostalgia signing. I, we can debate debate about I, I was fine with how he played last year. I just am saying I don't think it's a fit in at this point. Um, but linebacker matters for this guy's the way this guy wants to play defense. And and he he mentioned linebacker. So I will go behind, I'll go with whatever he decides. I agree with you, Evan. I really don't like seeing 15 to 20 million dollars going to any linebacker, like off ball linebacker position. And so agreed. And if you think they're going to be, I don't know if mildly aggressive is the right word. If you think they're going to be making splashes in free agency, they're going to do some gutting of this roster then. Yeah. They're going like, to Like there's some decisions to be made on Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs, Will Disley, Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett. Like there's some names here that could be gone very soon if that's what their plan is. And the thing was, the Ravens were not historically an aggressive free agency team. They make not their at all here and there. No, they're 
there are big time builds with a draft team. They're much better at finding value in free agency than John's been. They're kind of the pinnacle of it, right? In the NFL, yeah. is like, like they'll make their splash here and there. Like they made the Roquan Smith trade, and then they paid him the big contract. And but they paid Beckham a lot last year, but that was because they paid Lamar. But historically, like they spend their money on offensive line and defensive line, and they're they don't pay their pass rushers typically. They usually just find the value guys and let the guys go and then replenish. Well, that's that's one of the reasons I thought the Carl Scott news was was cool. Mm-hmm. So. Carl Scott was 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 a pretty hot name when the Seahawks signed him from Alabama and and was a secondary guy and I think the Seahawks secondary the corners especially have stepped forward since since uh Carl Scott's been here and now I think Mike McDonald and the Ravens like I think their specialty is front seven and so if you com- combine Mike McDonald's you know like what you're saying Jeff his ability to build up that front seven with Carl Scott having a lot of familiarity with the secondary guys that are already here. I think that's a really cool combination um, and, and and bodes well for, for what they do from here. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people talking about different, different pieces rela- related to uh, various folks. Um, we haven't heard anything like I doubt we'll get anything on offensive line coach until we get something from OC, right? Like it'll, it'll go OC first. Yeah. Yeah. They'll probably build so. their own. Cause I'm telling you that is a sneaky, big decision. Yeah, I agree. What is offensive line coach? Offensive line coach. It is one of the more influential second tier hires on NFL teams that, never gets the pub like it just rarely does but if you think back like pete's original offensive line coach when he came here he was trying to bring uh the guy from denver uh yeah, the, the, zone blocking, the zone blocking guy zone blocking guy what was his name god darn it i'll have to look that up yeah. he, he retired uh then he went i can't remember who he went to next he didn't go to tom cable next he had someone the first year and then he went to tom cable in 2011 that was a huge change from what they had been. And then they went to Mike Solari, which also was a pretty big change. Dickerson was a third big change. And those had like pretty tectonic impacts on how the offense ran and who they drafted and, and all that stuff. So Alex Gibbs. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Uh, yes. I knew the chat would help us out there. Um, so yeah, I am. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate, I wouldn't hate Andy Dickerson coming back if he doesn't get hired as an OC somewhere. I, I don't know if that's what realistically will happen, but um, you just saw Callahan from from uh, Cleveland, one of the yeah. well-regarded offensive line coaches, go to follow his brother? Son. His son? Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. To Tennessee, right? Yeah, son. The only reason they let them out, yeah. Yeah. Um. What else? Was there anything else that, that was said in the press conference that jumped out to you guys? I'm trying to like recap in my, my brain. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Did you see the Dave Canals uh, press conference? With the- I did. What did you guys think it, about that? It was freaky, man. He's like a mini Pete Carroll. Like, in what way? What, what was he doing? The way they talk, the words they use. Um, their energy level, 
Like, it was honestly freaky watching it. It was like a voodoo doll of him or like – and then I saw like the Panthers beat guys at the same thing. They're like this guy. Like, he was like ranting about how it's all about the ball and how they have to be like a furious energy with everything they do. And he was like talking a million miles an hour. And then he was talking about Pete and about Russell and about Gino and all these people shaped his career. And he's just like going all over the place. And I'm like, I can see why John didn't interview this guy. It did sounded you, like Pete. It was freaky, man. Did you guys, did you guys make any chance? Uh, do you ever listen to the smart list podcast with yeah. like Jason Bateman and, and uh, oh, Jason Hayes and Will Arnett? Yeah. Did you hear the Marshawn Lynch? episode i did i did that was very funny so if you haven't listened to that podcast highly recommend it that those guys are hilarious and and uh they had marshawn on and listening to marshawn talk about pete was so <laughs> funny he was like you know dude like man i i get there i i, I do my own hours you know i'm not gonna talk like marshawn I, i'm not even gonna try to imitate him but he's like i get in there at 4 a.m and i'm doing my lift and then you know i walk out at like five and Pete's coming in. He's like, hey, how you doing? Like, what's going on? And he's like, fucker, it's 5 a.m. Like, chill. Like, he's like, and then I'll see him at 11 o'clock at night. He's like, hey, Marshawn, how you doing? Like, what's going on? And, and Marshawn was just like, I don't fuck with him. Like, he is not like, I don't I like. he's like, I do not want to be around that. And, and it was interesting. It wasn't like he was angry at Pete. He was just like, this guy is not on me. a different level, like, and not something that he was he was into. But uh it's <laughs> like his meetings freaked me out and like exactly exactly it was that was a great interview um but one thing we didn't mention i think we didn't mention it and forgive me if i already said this but uh mike mcdonald mentioned a name twice that sent little little tiny shivers down my spine so the question came about geno smith he answered about geno smith and then he mentioned do you know who drew lock he mentioned Drew Locke twice, unprompted. And if I'm this guy's a free agent, right? He's not even part of the roster. So he mentioned him twice. And this is a guy that we know is a John Schneider dude. John Schneider has always been enamored with Drew Locke. Guys, I can I can I can take a lot with this I, I can i can handle a lot i'm like i'm trusted in mike mcdonald but if what they do is they cut geno smith and they tell us try to sell us on drew Locke as the quarterback of the future i'm gonna struggle with that one big time well just just to big be clear, time just to be clear we'll find that out in the next 15 days if we they will because they got that 15 february 16th uh salary guarantee deadline so what if, what if they um keep true lock and then draft jj mccarthy uh see jj mccarthy's uh comment on the seahawks instagram no you guys don't have instagram i did put it together initially though michigan thing <laughs> we were talking about jj mccarthy commented on the seahawks instagram post of seahawks making it official and he was like perfect hire or something like that uh-oh uh -oh. maybe the grub thing leads to Penix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> I was I will struggle more with Drew Locke than I would with JJ McCarthy, and that's saying a lot. I, that I, is saying a lot. That's a lot. I I really don't like JJ McCarthy as a prospect at all. 
but you don't want least... a guy meditating at the goalposts uh, <laughs> before I, every could, game. That doesn't even bother me, dude. Watching dude, him come play. On. That is so weird. Like, watching him play is what bothers me. The guy is a mid mid quarterback, dude. Like he, he is, is not an inch, like he kind of is Drew Locke. He is. He's like a little he's athletic. That's a big arm. Like throws it throws it like inaccurately half the time. Like not a fan. But dude, Drew Locke would be a rough would be a rough one. He also did mention Mike Morris, which is a name that maybe people forgot about. Guy played for Mike McDonald um, and was there hugging him up, dapping him up uh, at the press conference. Um, I think people forgot. It's talking about improving the trenches. It's a guy the team was pretty excited about. And we got to see basically zero of him last year. Yeah, he's uh, he's the kind of guy like the Ravens typically would look at. So is Cam Young, who was a, pretty much a zero his rookie year. But that's a guy like the Ravens have like Michael Pierce and a couple other bigger defensive tackles. They aren't there to pass rush. They're there to just kind of do their job. Cam Young is the kind of guy you see the Ravens typically draft in the fourth round. So those two guys are guys that could be elevated in the scheme. I don't want to say Derek Hall because I don't know how he fits. I don't know what he is at this point. <laughs> um, but Chenna Nuosu is a guy I can see he's being really good in this defense. Yeah. Yeah. I think Chenna and Boye Mafe and Witherspoon, I think those are three building blocks for them. Ideally, Leonard Williams. But see what do you guys, do you guys hear about Michael Penix, what he ran today? No. Senior Bowl? No. He hit 20 miles an hour. In the open field. That's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, for a guy that people are saying is is like not athletic and he's got ACL concerns. The senior bowl, we won't get into it deeply, but Michael Penix is wiping the field with Bo Nix. Bo Nix is having an atrocious senior bowl week. There are independent folks that are just like this guy can't complete a pass he is completely inaccurate uh he is he is not having a good week meanwhile michael Penix is doing what michael Penix does which is everybody like they really write him off for one game or for one thing they decide he's like i think daniel jeremiah still got him like 47th you know in the in his ranking prospect rankings i'm telling you guys someone is going to get like I will tell you a fear of mine, team like the Los Angeles Rams drafts him at the end of the first round, sits him behind Matthew Stafford for a year or two or whatever, and then they have the, Mike Sean McVay has his next franchise quarterback. Like I can absolutely see one of the bottom teams of the first round nabbing him, and we're going to be like, what the hell? How did we let that guy slip past us? So, so with all the offensive linemen we've talked about it, Jared Verse, is Michael Penix your dream pick at 16? If the team made that pick, I'd be psyched. I'd be psyched because of what it would mean. It would mean that they they like they see what they need. Um I think it's the highest upside pick. Well, I think you're, you're probably hoping they hire Ryan Grubb then. So it's, I'm so glad you mentioned that, Jeff, because Whitney 
Trump lost suck it on Twitter is her handle. She called the Mike McDonald hire, right? The night before. Yep. We got to credit her for that. She just tweeted five minutes ago. Grub is the leader in the, in the clubhouse. And it is sourced. Is what she it is sourced. Is, is what she's saying. Wow. I love it. I mean, he, he, like, forget that he's from Washington. Forget, like, forget all the Husky connections, all that, for Penix, anything like that. You have a OC in college who has no NFL track record to speak of, like none. People don't know what he would do in the NFL. And yet he, he had like the offenses that he ran in college were incredibly effective, incredibly dynamic, incredibly explosive, multiple, multiple in terms of run pass, all sorts of things. If you didn't know, if you covered everything else and you just said that was his track record, that's his resume, that's ideal. That's ideal to bring someone with that, that there's unknown and that he can come into the NFL and he might bring things to the NFL that change the way the game's played. He might bring knowledge on the offensive side of players in college football that they haven't had. And this is something we talked about when Pete Carroll was initially hired was that he we think he had influence over the first few drafts in Seattle because he knew the college players. Now you got Mike McDonald who's two years removed from college in Michigan and knows defensive players. And you got potentially Ryan Grubb on the offensive side who knows offensive players. I think Jeff's computers ran out of batteries. He looked like he was scared. You're right. There he is. I'm back. Were you I'm eating sorry. food in the in the background? Unlike me, no, no. I saw camera. you slamming bacon over there, but yeah, I love the bacon, bacon, uh, Evan. I I just have a weird craving for bacon sometimes. I don't know. I don't think I mean, that's weird. I don't think that's weird. Okay, dude, you're you're talking to two Jews, and we're like, yeah, bacon's great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I, I'm not, I'm like not all in on Grub. I'd be excited about some of these other guys, but I think that would be pretty cool. I think that'd be pretty cool. All right, guys, I, I've kept you. With, I thought we'd go a half an hour. Of course, we've gone over an hour. Um, I could keep going, but uh, anything else? Like, what else is on your mind? Did you guys mention the building around the QB part? I assumed you guys did. No, I don't think we, no. think we did. It was kind of brief comments, but. He just mentioned how obviously quarterback is the most important position on offense. I don't know if he said in on the entire team, but he, he talked about how that position is the focal point and that they're going to build around that position and what that position does well. So I, I think it's just further evidence that Gino's probably, probably the guy this year. I just, I, the answer I, on Gino is a little, I, I, I don't know, man. I, can you imagine can you imagine cutting a Pro Bowl quarterback? When's the last time anybody has cut a Pro Bowl quarterback? Two years, two two straight years of Pro yeah, Bowl it'd be quarterback. Like a pain cut it. injury because of Andrew Luck. That'd be the only one probably ever. Cutting him just doesn't make sense. No, me. you'd be a, you'd be a fool. And if you're not going to cut him, like you could maybe trade him, but like who's going to trade for him? You'd have to get some like team that would have to offer an unrealistic haul, I think, to trade him. I don't think that's, that's not happening. And that's exactly my point. It's not happening. So yeah. 
Yeah, I just don't see. I just don't see it. I mean, quarterbacks the most valuable position in the game, and you have a guy that even if you're even if you're down on Geno, he's a top fifteen quarterback. Like that's like the bottom level of what you you'd classify him. Like you'd be hard pressed to like really make the case he's you know bottom half of the league. I don't see how you just let that go on the open market for no return. No. The very least you take him for another year. Like, yeah, his contract's a good value. Like oh, a yeah. really good value for sure. For sure. Um, Oh, you know, one of the other things he said was that was, you know, again, I'm, I'm microscopically examining these statements, but talked about offensive philosophy and he talked about run run game. And he said something along the lines of, yeah, percentage of runs in certain situations and, you know, run versus pass. That's all variable. Adjustable. Adjustable, right? Yeah. I don't know if I'm overlooking it, but like for me, that was like this guy's analytics guy. Like he he has he's looking at the numbers and looking at optimal like situations and scenarios for what you do things. Right. Is that am I like looking too far into that? No, because that's I, his background. Evan. I did I share Evan, that with you guys the other night? I can't remember. Yeah, they haven't told that. us that he connected with someone down there. He's very analytics friendly. Like very. Guys, this Works is going to be very closely. So freaking different. When he throws challenge flags, when he goes for it on fourth down, third down offense, third down defense, we are not going to see teams throwing it for on third and 10 to a receiver wide open in the middle of the field with linebackers dropping back 15 yards to tackle them at 11 yards forward. Oh, I can't wait to watch this guy. Like play. we're like, it's going to be different. I just like, it might be bad different. I don't think it's going to be, I really don't. I'm, I'm, I'm like re- unreasonably optimistic, but this guy's smart. Mm-hmm. I like, the other thing he said is that, that they haven't even taken a tour of the facility. He already like the first thing they did is they went up and they started calling staff. Yeah. What does that mean? What do we talk about? One of the big questions for him is like, did he have staff like identified? They immediately went out and started doing that. Other thing that I, I guess I, I'm curious, you guys might know more than I do about this stuff, but for a lot of these situations, the guys already know who they want to bring aboard, right? So are you is he really it seems almost like he's reaching out to interview different ocs which would imply he doesn't know who he wants to hire it seemed like the guy he wanted to hire was arthur smith that's what okay said. so this said that mike garofalo so this might be a blessing in disguise arthur smith is as mediocre of a choice as you can get oh he was pretty good to get the job in the first place but big time run heavy play action not the most dynamic guy, but I think him and John have probably just, they made it. John said they know so many of the same people and it's kind of blown away of how many people and having that college background with all the time John's gone to schools as scouts, they're probably going to have a really different looking staff than maybe his, the rumor was that he didn't know people that might be wrong. And that was an interesting comment that he's a, he's a learning networker. Yeah, I found that really interesting that he knows a ton of people. Yeah. Because they have to be going back and forth on s- staff names. And... Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, John was in rare form. 
Schneider's comment about him like sweating his ass off in church was so funny. (laughs) Like, dude, that guy's such a turd. (laughs) I mean, the the fact that he was like sitting there with his new head coach talking about how he wanted to make sure that another candidate was available to interview that the Lions (laughs) lost to. I mean, (laughs) I know he didn't really realize the implication of what he was saying, but I was like, oh, John, you know, uh, that's not. That's not a good look, but man, yeah. So, so really, the next big thing, um, yeah, he better be praying about OCs. Uh, <laughs> I, I think next big, th- next biggest decision is OC, right? We agree uh, there. Gotta be. Yeah. What's the next biggest decision after that? I don't think it's DC. Me either. I think O line coach. I think it's O line coach, or like an assistant head coach, like a veteran guy. Yeah. Or like a QB coach, maybe? That might come with the – that might be dictated by the OC. The OC, yeah. yeah. But I agree, like, DC is way down the list. Like, I know. Like, it was. It would have been cool if they could have got the guy who ended up getting the Ravens job, Zach Orr. Yes. That would have well, been cool. Yeah, go ahead. But at the end of the day, like, McDonald's calling the defense. Like, Well, it would be cool, like – Okay, what happened with Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, like the the hot young offensive guys is everyone that they bring in gets hired. Yeah. And so it would be cool for Mike McDonald to start having his coaching tree and pretty much anyone that he brings in on the defensive side could get hired. And so I think that's potential that that could be – that could be a, a cool thing for the Seahawks is, is that that becomes a hot spot for new young coaches who want to get opportunity in the league. And he implied some people from the Ravens are going to come over. So I imagine a lot of that will be on the defensive side. Yeah. T Martin surging. Search. <laughs> He's surging. He's surging. Oh my God. We, we can search Google too. For, uh, That's his for, name, right? T. Martin. T. You know, I hear that there's two offensive coordinator candidates. They're surging. That's what I'm hearing. I heard one is Ryan Grubb. I heard the other is the guy from Detroit. Break it. Let's put that out there. Any oh, others you want to Google? Oh my god. Yeah, T. Martin. <laughs> I'm you sorry. Got, I'm such an. You asshole. guys are assholes. You guys are so mean. Cuts. You guys are so mean. No idea what we're talking about. But if you know, you know. <laughs> if you know, you know. Uh, oh um, okay, I, I gotta ask, because I know you mean I, I put my cards out there. If if they hire Ryan Grubb, first question, how would you guys feel about that? I would do some very inappropriate things if they hired when that, that's just like day a normal day for you extraordinarily okay all right cool all right so you'd be excited i assume jeff how about you i'd be fired up i'd be very yeah? fired up. um there's so many uninspiring ocs that could have been tied with like a defensive coach and you see it all the time and some of the names that got hired like new england hired like alex van pelt today it was just like been on like 18 last eight years like to kind of go way off the board and go with the guy who people I trust like you and Derek who watch you dub religiously. And Brian, the fact that you wanted this guy to be the head coach of the Seahawks <laughs> to me is pretty crazy. And how old is he? Like, are you thinking like, he's Brian, older. 
You he's think like he's got NFL head coaching potential, or could this be a guy that's just around for a while? Which is would be like the best scenario. Yeah, uh, he is. He is forty-seven. That's what I mean. Like, so if you get him, maybe you're not going through that OC problem where you're looking for a new guy every three, two years. That could be a really intriguing mix. And I just think the idea of having the best defensive mind in the NFL with one of the best offensive minds in college, like, I don't know how you couldn't be super excited about that. That's almost like a dream. The Brian M. Hauser dream staff. <laughs> That's just terrify every Seahawks fan. But uh, like, if you have someone as smart, and as skilled tacti- um, tactically as Mike McDonald evaluating someone's answers on offense. Here's how that's going to go, guys. Mike McDonald's not just going to ask like, so what was your you know biggest failure and how did you overcome it? Like, he's not going to ask that shit. He's going to be like, okay, tell me your play call in this situation. Okay, now you see this adjustment or he's going to run film and he's going to show, okay, here is how the defense presents, how are you going to attack it? And he is going to, he's going to know, he is going to know whether those answers he's getting are okay, good, great, or like, oh shit, this is my partner. I heard he had a treadmill in his office and was like hammering the treadmill, like watching film during the days, like, I heard this guy's pretty intense. So, like, and the, think about what they can learn from each other. What is that face, Kevin? What remote employee doesn't do that? Watching film on your treadmill? No, a treadmill in their office. Like, no, that's normal. Doing? But like, how do you watch film hammering a treadmill? Like, that's crazy. Man's uh, trying to work on his cardio. Respect. Evan, did you see his outfit today? Ru- no. McDonald. Okay, no. I, I got to share this. Oh, I, oh, oh, the hoodie with the, the hoodie. with the jacket. It was yes. so trendy. I, I was, was wondering how you felt about that. I'm going to pull it up just for people that hadn't seen it. Um, see I, I, I actually did notice that, Brian. That's um, but it looked slick. Like it didn't look right. Can you guys see un- this? Uh, can you double click it? Maybe. Let me zoom, zoom in, in a little bit here. Hold on. It's one of those things where, like, oh, you know what? That's a total Lululemon jacket. <laughs> and that's like a total Lululemon sweater, hoodie, sweater. Yeah, it I totally is. <laughs> if this guy's a Lululemon addict, I'm his biggest proponent from day one. <laughs> I wear this Lululemon. man has sold me. Are you wearing Lulu, Jeff? Yeah. Dude, my entire closet's almost Lululemon. I'm that stuff scary. is so good. I, I loved this, dude. I loved this. This is, you know... Yeah, John, John's John's looking a little. John's looking a little. John's, John's still, like, John's like, who's this millennial twerp that I just hired? <laughs> John has, is a scout, like it is core, and he's just like, he still lives out of his car and looks like he was wearing yesterday. He's, he's like wiping down his face with like a, a a wet wipe or something. Like he hasn't showered in a week. Yeah. Oh. Okay, one other thing. Random. These are the crazy little details I pay attention to. The videos that they they shared of Mike McDonald coming in. First of all, it was really cool, like him coming in, getting cheers. 
on his left, Chuck Arnold, hug, you know, handshake. On his right, next person he hugs, not Jody Allen, Burt Cold. Who's much taller than I thought, by the way. He's a big dude. That guy can play offensive line. Yeah, like, why is he not playing right tackle? Like, exactly. That was I, my biggest takeaway today. Is that, that was, there was there was like there was emotion in that hug. Like Burt Cold looked excited oh, and like really like they landed their guy. Like and you know, everyone talks about Jody Allen. Not as many people talk about Burt Cold, and I think that he is very involved in what's going on there. Um, so that that kind of jumped out at me. Um <laughs> as you could tell, I have been uh obsessing about every little detail on this on this hire uh oh my god here i gotta share again compare this to what i just saw of what jim harbaugh looked did you see jim harbaugh's he, press conference he looked so, he's such a nerd he looked Dude. like he looked weird in those colors man look at jim harbaugh what a fucking dork he had some weird comments today too that's a weird dude. He wins. He wins. I'll give him that. But I'm so glad he's not, not yeah, our guy. Yeah. I'm so glad he's not our guy. All right. I think we should wrap there. Unless there's anything else you guys had that you wanted to add. No, you guys made me sicker. Thanks. Yeah. For awesome. 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 Please fix the offensive line, Mike McDonald. Please, <laughs> please fix this whole team. I don't care, man. Makes this team tough. Make this team a, a team we can be proud of. Hey, folks, if you have not given the show a like, give the show a like, for God's sake. Click subscribe. Click the bell to get notified because we've done three pods this week. Who knows if we're going to do another one? If they hire an OC, I almost guarantee we'll probably be back on talking about that. Go to patreon.com slash Sign up. Get instant access to the Slack channel where you can continue the conversation in Slack with a great community of Seahawks fans and support the show. Over $260,000 have gone to charity. And guess what? This year, when John Schneider and Tracy Schneider do their uh, charitable drive, we'll get a chance to get in there and meet Mike McDonald, I can guarantee you, because Pete's been at every one of those events. Uh, so you can help. Maybe, maybe sometimes they give us opportunities to get phone calls, uh, to give shout outs. So get in there. Join patreon.com slash hawkblogger. All right, folks. Thank you to Evan Hill at Evan Hill HB joining while he's sick and Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons joining when it is the middle of the night in Toronto. Until we come back, have a great rest of your evening, folks. Take care. Hey, folks, this is Brian Nemhauser. Thanks for listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed it. I want you to know that Real Hawk Talk is available on all major podcast platforms. Go ahead and subscribe. Have all podcasts delivered directly to your phone after each and every show. And then go ahead and leave us a five-star review. Helps us out, gets more people to the show. Then, if you haven't already done it, go to patreon.com slash hawkblogger and subscribe for just five bucks a month. Gets you immediate access to our Slack channel. Join hundreds of folks in that community to talk Seahawks about wins, losses, and all things in between. Not to mention become eligible to win giveaways for Seahawks tickets and get to ask questions of the Real Hawk Talk crew every week on the show. Finally, if you haven't gone to hawkblogger.com recently, head on over. Tail the Tape morning after articles are there every week. Hoping to see you there. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for supporting the show. Go Hawks.